You're locked into the Despirito Team Real Estate Show with host and top realtor Emilio Despirito on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. We're talking with industry leaders about real estate trends, money making tips, and advice on buying and selling the American dream. Now, here's Emilio Despirito. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is the Despirito Team Radio Show. I am Andrew Hogan from the Despirito Team, filling in for Emilio Despirito today. This morning, we are talking with Paul Salcone. Paul's from North Point Bank. He is the sales manager and loan officer there at North Point. He can be reached at 401-419-9291. Today, Paul's going to be talking to us a little bit about conventional versus FHA loans and the pros and cons of each. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Andrew. Thank you for the introduction. No problem. Thank you for being here today. We're very happy to have you. Absolutely. Well, you know, again, just said you, you as mentioned uh, in brief, you know, a few minutes ago now, you know, we're talking today about, yeah, you know, I wanted to talk a little about FHA versus conventional. I know most listeners, you know, they probably realize there are some myths that people associate with both type of mortgage programs. And so I just wanted to talk about, you know, a little about each and kind of what, what would make sense and what wouldn't make sense based on the situation. And, and as you know, you personally see this all the time when you have offers submitted, FHA versus conventional. Obviously, you look at them a little differently as well. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely, we do. Uh, just because of you know, FHA can be a little bit a little bit tougher, especially when it comes to you know the appraisal and condition of the home. So yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're seeing? Sure, absolutely. So first and foremost, um, the biggest difference. I mean, FHA versus conventional. The rule of thumb is, you know, first time home buyers can go either way. Of course, um, FHA requires three and a half percent down across the board for a single family all the way through a four unit home. So at the end of the day, most first-time home buyers or, or buyers in general who are looking at multifamily homes, owner-occupied, typically go FHA with a three and a half percent down. Um, you know, because with conventional, it requires as much as twenty percent down on three or four units and fifteen percent down on two units. So with that being said, you can see right away the biggest difference. You're looking at single-family homes. I think conventional is definitely in the discussion with the multis, unless you have a substantial down payment. FHA is obviously the way that most borrowers go. Now, listen, there are some things with FHA that, that people are like, wow, FHA, I don't want to deal with that. Well, listen, we all know that there's a little more red tape with FHA loans. Obviously, you mentioned it briefly. You know, we have situations with, you know, the appraisals. Uh, they talk about, okay, does a house have chipping paint, uh, maybe something with railings not being there or uh, with, you know, issues with, say, plumbing slash heating systems. So they're a little bit more, you know, I guess, you know, more involved, the appraisals. But by no means is FHA a poor deal. I mean, to be honest with you, I have borrowers who have seven, eight hundred credit scores. They go FHA because, you know, with a multifamily home, it's it's a lesser down payment. So that's the first thing. Um, secondly, you know, conventional financing, while it is very desirable right now in particular, rates are actually higher with conventional financing. Most people are not aware of that. Um, rates in general are higher with, with conventional. But the biggest difference, reason why some people, even with the higher rates, still go conventional, obviously beyond the appraisal aspect, is because with conventional loans, um, the PMI comes off at 20%, whereas FHA, it never comes off per se, so you'd have to refinance at some point. So that's the biggest difference. Like if you had 20% down, unless your credit score was very low, you'd probably go conventional because the, you know, PMI would come, no PMI at all, whereas FHA, even with 20% down, there is the PMI. Another part of the FHA that some people don't like is with FHA loans, there's also an additional fee you pay up front, which is 1.75% of the overall um, loan amount. So that they call that the MIP. And that MIP payment, while it is added back to your loan, 
essentially increases your loan amount, which increases your monthly payment. Um, and something else with FHA that I always like to mention is, you know, obviously it's a great opportunity for someone with maybe a lower credit score or lesser down payment. But keep in mind too, that PMI is traditionally a little higher on FHA loans as well. So if you're someone, you know, with a mid, you know, I'd say 700 credit score plus and has the ability to put down at least, you know, 5%, um, conventional is probably the way to go and on a single family home. If you need to go multi and you can't put down the 20%, then obviously, you know, we look at the FHA options. But I mean, that's that's kind of a quick rundown with pros and cons. I mean, I think most people, um, you know, after having a conversation within five or 10 minutes of some of me personally, I know when, okay, this is probably someone who would consider FHA or it's just someone who should consider conventional. But one other thing that's important to note with uh, these two products is that with FHA, you can only have one FHA loan at a time. So even if you purchased a home, it was five years ago, a three family home, and you, you know, now you want to move out of the house. Okay, great. But you can't purchase another home with FHA financing. That's something that most people maybe don't, are not aware of. So you'd have to either refinance your current property that you're in, or you'd have to go conventional. So that's the thing. With conventional, you can have numerous loans out at once because we can do investment properties as well. Um, Andrew, I know I throw a lot out there. Do you have any anything you think you should, I should note here? Yeah, so again, folks, this is Andrew Hogan filling in for Emilio Dispirito here on the Dispirito Team Radio Show talking to Paul Salcone about conventional and FHA loans. Paul, from an advisor standpoint, we're, we're out shopping for homes with our, with our clients. They're looking at houses. They understand that they're using an FHA loan. We see some potential red flags that could pretend, that could show up, you know, when someone is under contract, the appraiser comes out and is assessing the house. Do you advise us to steer the clients in a certain direction when it comes to offering on that home? Or do you think in most situations, there are situations that can be rectified? I mean, at the end of the day, obviously, every situation is a little bit unique. What I try to do personally is when I'm working with an agent or an advisor, you know, what I do is... I say, listen, you know, they're FHA. They could probably go conventional. Now, on a multifamily, it's a little bit different because down payments are involved, you know, different amount of money down. But with a single family owner in particular, I have situations where, you know what, based on, on, on the house, if we really have to go conventional, I can kind of, you know, try to make numbers work on both ends and basically compare the options. But I, I try to just stick with, listen, FHA is what they're probably their strongest offer will be. If they really want this property and they need some work, you know, we can always go two or three K. Not that that's the most desirable offer, but even if it's something you know minor, we can do like a, a limited 203K. If the work is under 35,000, I always tell the agents like, listen, if you have a conversation with the listing agent and they're willing to consider this, if it does come back with any potential issues subject to the appraisal, which is called, um, can we, you know, is a 203K something you would consider? Because that's a way kind of around it. And then we can get the work done after closing, even if it doesn't pass FHA initially. So that's kind of my, all right, my, my savior here. If we have to go FHA, they're willing to work with us if it does come back subject to certain things being done, can we do a limited 203K? That's kind of how I get around it. But if it has to be conventional and, and it, you know, sometimes I say, okay, we can try this, but you know, it, the number is a little bit tighter. I just think it all comes down to being flexible and also letting the listing agent know, because sometimes they'll say, you know what, we can try FHA, but you know, I don't think the house is going to pass. So, so what is our option at the end of the day? And I just think being transparent is what we have to be with any offer we put in, you know, so you so you're working with a buyer, you're out showing them houses and that you have them approved through using an FHA loan. But then that that process happens where you might actually have to pivot to going to a 203K. What is that, without getting too much in detail about 203Ks, what does that look like? And how do we know if the client is even going to be you know, eligible for that? 
Sure. Um, 203K, I mean, for most part, the guidelines are the same as traditional FHA. The biggest difference is, now there's limited and there's full. Limited is as less as 30, 35,000 worth of work or less. A full is obviously over 35,000. So it comes down to, do we have a builder or a contractor that can get us what we need in a timely manner? Are they comfortable with, with doing 203K loans? Because, you know, they're not difficult if all parties are on the same page. You know, if we ask for something from the builder, they get back to us in a timely manner. We have to get the builder approved as an application. So we could definitely do this, close it in probably 30 days if need be. It's just a matter of all of us being on the same page, knowing the process. I mean, something else that I also offer, just to keep in mind with, um, you know, 203K you mentioned, we also have an FA, I mean, we said conventional uh, renovation loan. We can do as little as 5% down using conventional financing on a renovation loan as well. And we get around the 203K red tape. So that's something else to keep in mind. So it really comes down to the situation. If it's a multifamily home, 203K is probably the only option. If it's a single family and we're close, we can probably do a uh, conventional renovation loan. And that's something that we can do pretty quickly. Comes down to builder, uh, you know, builder approval and just getting the docs in time. And when I say docs, I mean like, you know, the contract, the work to be done, you know, specifics, and maybe even blueprints. So it, this comes down to all of us being on top of things, which I know you are. I'm always on top of this because you can't do it in the middle of the transaction. It has to all be set up from day one, you know. And No, that's great. I mean, honestly, we, we love the work that North Point Bank does. And, and one final thing that we want to touch on with North Point, you guys just recently announced that you were rolling out RI Housing, and that's officially active, Correct. That's correct. We can officially um, write Rhode Island housing loans now. So anyone who's interested in the down payment assistance, the 17500 grant, we can do that in-house. There's other programs they have as well. So we'd be happy to go over those in more detail with any clients who are interested. Have you seen a lot of people trying to come in already and trying to utilize that oh, program? Yes, absolutely. I, I would say one out of every three uh, first-time homebuyers, if not two out of every three, are asking me about this program from day one. And honestly, if you qualify for it, you can still put money down in addition. So if you have the 17.5, why not take advantage of that, either for down payment or for your closing costs, and then put down more money as well. There's no rule that you have to just use 17.5. So essentially, it's free money as long as you qualify, which again, 660 credit score, minimum requirement there, and there's some income limitations. But for the most part, first-time homebuyers do qualify many times for this program. And so now we rolled that program out several months ago now. So just as a refresher for people that are listening, just a little bit about that 17.5. Yeah, I mean that seventeen five is is a is a grant. It comes from the state. It doesn't it doesn't have to be repaid. It, it, it's free and clear money. It can be used toward closing costs. Can be used toward down payment. And at the end of the day, I mean, I, I think that it's it's a great way. I mean, think about it. If you're buying a house that's three hundred thousand, you know, three and a half percent down is ten thousand five hundred. So essentially, you have seven thousand left over from that grant to use toward closing costs. So you can almost buy a house at three hundred thousand with no money out of pocket. Sure, you might need a couple months reserves. By the end of the day, you can very you can minimize your out-of-pocket expenses with this program. And again, all over the state, there's not any town that doesn't doesn't um isn't you know eligible for this program. So you can use anywhere from Providence throughout Westerly, and it's definitely available for us to take advantage of. And it's for single families up to what from one to four units. One to four units, that's correct. One to four unit owner occupied. And really, there's there's no really catches here. I mean, if you have the credit score, which is 660. And, you, you know, you have the ability to, uh, you know, your income is, is within the certain limitations, which it's about 120000 It kind of caps out. It's like 126 I believe it is now. So most families in Rhode Island do, do meet the income limitations on this. So it's a great program. Again, folks, Andrew Hogan here filling in for Emilio Despirito today. And we, uh, we want to thank Paul Salcone from North Point Bank, the sales manager and loan officer, for coming out and talking to us today about these conventional FHA loan programs, the pros and cons of each 
a little bit about what we're seeing with North Point rolling out the RI housing program. We we love working with them. They're definitely one of our most trusted lending partners. So, Paul, I really want to thank you for being here today. Thank you for having us. We really, we really appreciate it. And if you have any questions for Paul, you are welcome to reach out to him at 401-419-9291. And if you need that number again from us, you can feel free to reach me at 401-588-2002. Again, this is Andrew Hogan. Paul Salcone, thank you for being here. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Next, we're going to be joined by Ted Tapuzis from Tapuzis and Associates. He's a real estate attorney. This is Andrew Hogan filling in for Emilio Despirito today. You can reach me at 401-588-2002. This is the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. Welcome back, folks, to the Despirito Team Radio Show. I am Andrew Hogan, filling in for Emilio Despirito today. And now we're joined by Ted Tapuzis of Tapuzis & Associates, real estate attorney. Ted can be reached at 855-451-0841. Good morning, Ted. Good morning. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for being here today. Uh, today, we're going to talk about you know, something not super friendly, but, you know, something that we all need to be prepared for. And that is the topic of foreclosures. So, Ted, why don't we talk a little bit about foreclosures? Are they on the rise? What are we seeing? Yeah. So, um, you know, it was um, the reason why I'm, I'm uh, making my topic um, of discussion today, um, you know, uh, on, on foreclosures, because it actually broke the news yesterday. So um, the national news um and um, and and foreclosures have been on the rise. Um, they've um, they've actually uh, spiked a little bit uh, uh, in May last uh, so last month, um, which is um, you know it may you know it, of course nobody likes uh, you know the the connotations that foreclosures um, you know come, come uh, presents you know with the uh, you know it's like a negative thing where um, you, you know people being displaced uh, to a certain degree, but, you know, it is, uh, and it always has been an important um, uh, component of, of, um, you know, just the, the economy, the housing market, um, because it's, it creates like an influx um, in, uh, um, in, you know, in for housing units in, in, in the market. So, so, uh, you know, it does have these, this bad connotation, but at the same time, it is actually pretty positive um, for us to have that. And, and for the longest time, you know, for years now, uh, because of the moratoriums that were put in place back, uh, I think it was, um, you know, during COVID, I, mean, I, f I forget when they were actually, uh, um, you know, uh, um, uh, passed by by um, the CDC and, and, and Congress and everything. But, uh, you know, they, they basically put a, a freeze on, on all foreclosure activity, eviction activity, everything really uh, for, for some time. It was, you know, it wasn't quite two years, but it was but it was, um, you know, it, it definitely felt like a long time, um, which I believe they were lifted um, in sometime mid um, 2021. Um, you know, but, you know, because everything was at a standstill at that point, um, it took a little while for the mechanics to kind of like, you know, get back into the swing of things, you know, and, and um, but they are slowly starting to happen, um, you know, and, and, you know, it, it, you see these things and you always it's always been like this because I've been doing this for about 30 years now. I, I'm, I'm a, I, I used to work for a, a foreclosure uh, firm in, in uh, South Florida. 
And, uh, and so, you know, it, it, it kind of like comes up in, in pockets, um, throughout the country, you know, so it's not like, uh, you know, a report on the news, um, you know, saying that there's going to be an increase in activity automatically equates to an increase in activity in your local market. Um, it's just something that's going to, you know, it's rumbling, it's moving, but, um, but you're not going to necessarily see, you know, significant uh, uh, upswings uh, on a local level, but national level. Yeah, you, you, you are seeing it. So that's good. And uh, and so there are some states that, that, that you know, have seen increases in like Illinois, Maryland, um, New Jersey. Those are typically, you know, higher, um, you know, states that, that, that have, you know, higher uh, counts of foreclosure starts. Uh, Florida is another one of those states as well. Um, and, uh, you know, Ohio, um, uh, you know, there's, uh, and, and specifically, um, you know, because I do practice in Florida, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, several um, uh, um, municipalities there like Palm Bay, Ocala, Jacksonville, um, uh, that, that, that are seeing Lakeland, that are seeing um, upticks. So, which is, you know, again, it, I mean, I guess for, for me, practicing down there, it's a good thing. And I do believe that, that sooner or later we'll see uh, an increase um, in activity here as well in, in uh, the New England markets. You know, I, I believe that uh, typically um, the market that, that uh, you know, the markets, that had a uh, an early uptick in um, in, uh, in in business, you know, in traditional closing business, um, and and the higher um, uh, swing in um, in values um, are the ones that um, that start to you know get foreclosure activity earlier in, in you know across the you know the nation, um, which is why you see these these other markets. Um, you know, start to have um, increases in, in foreclosure activity uh, sooner, sooner than us. Um, you know, we we uh, will pro- we'll see it as well. But but you know, what's the timing of it? I'm I'm not sure. I think if you look in the paper, um, you probably get a good indication of uh, what's uh, what's out there right now. Um, and uh, you know, it's not making the news, but you know, it's probably going to be something that's more than what it was. And and it's all because. Um, you know, we we were coming from basically a zero. You know, we were we were at because of the moratoriums, we were at a zero, uh, essentially. Um, and uh, and it's taken you know uh, some time now, almost two years, um, I would say, for this to to start to swing back in the right direction. I mean, keep in mind, you know, everybody was uh, working uh, remotely. Um, everybody was working uh, with with reduced staffs. Um, you know, and that's not just, um, you know, the foreclosure firms. Um, it's also uh, the, the, the banks, um, you know, they were, you know, they were, they were told not to, not to do this, uh, this, you know, not, not, to, not to proceed with foreclosures. So they, they downsized and they, they limited their, their staff. So it took a little time for all this to start to, you know, um, get the, get the machinery back in motion again. And, uh, and that's why we're, we're, it's taken a while for this to start to, um, show itself, but I think it's going to be. It potentially is a positive thing uh, because I, I think that's just going to add more housing units to our market that desperately, desperately needs um, uh, uh, inventory. So, um, for anybody that's just joining us, this is the Despierto Team Real Estate Show. I'm Andrew Hogan, joined by Ted Depuzis, who is filling us in on what's going on as far as foreclosures are concerned. Ted, what are you seeing as the main? culprit responsible for these foreclosures that we're starting to see 
I mean, I, I think part of it is, um, is, uh, you know, older foreclosures that, 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 um, you know, fell into default, you know, at or about the time of the moratoriums being put in place. Um, and that just haven't been, uh, processed yet. And I think that, uh, you, you know, some of that has already, you know, come through the system already, I believe, uh, from what I can see, um, you know, I do still practice, uh, um, default work. Um, you know, I do, uh, do a mix. Um, I have a traditional closing work that I do, and and then also I do uh, some some REO work in in, in several markets, um, you know, here in New England and, and also in uh, in Florida as well. And so I think um, from what I've seen, based upon the timing of the uh, foreclosure documents, it looks like it's you know some of it is, is older stuff, um, but uh, but I do I am seeing some newer um, uh, defaults, which is um, you know post uh um the moratoriums so uh you know it's it's typically um you know uh, failure to to pay um which causes this to to happen and so now for for advisors who are actively you know working with their clients and even for the clients themselves what's the best piece of advice you can give them to be prepared for this as the people on the other side of things who are sort of waiting for that ball to drop well, I think it's uh, it's something that we're, we're. I don't believe, and I think everybody has been saying this all along that that you know there's going to be this this uptick um, in this type of activity, but it's not going to be uh, you know at least at the indication the indicators are are there that that it's probably not going to be what we saw you know in two thousand eight nine ten uh, where there was just this implosion, um, just because the uh, the the. These loans are being vetted pretty carefully now, you know, so so what what I would say is you're not going to, you know, be there's not going to be a tidal wave of uh, foreclosure activity that 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 uh, that, you know, these agents are going to experience or the, or the market is going to going to see. So either you're, but you are going to see an uptick. And I think um, and that's that's a good thing um, that might uh, give us uh, some relief on uh, on inventories and might give us some relief also on, um, on, on values, you know, where it'll, you know, adding more, um, units to, to the, uh, you know, housing units to our, our local markets is just going to affect, um, you know, what, uh, what the values are that you're seeing today being sold. Uh, you'll, you'll probably see some adjustments there, uh, you know, uh, making it more reasonable for people, more, more affordable. Um, and that's, and that, to be honest with you is, is a great thing for all of us, um, in this, industry just because we are stretched pretty thin at the moment uh we we definitely we definitely need this influx so with the negative connotation that comes along with foreclosure there there are some positives to be taken from it um ted are there there any other kind of final thoughts that you'd like to add about you know what we're seeing in this market um i my my thoughts are just uh you know just you know don't like don't expect a tidal wave but um expect a gradual um, you know, increase and, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, um, you know, it's not gonna, I think it's just gonna be, uh, an eye on the future just to keep, uh, you know, be, be aware of it. Um, you know, that, uh, that, that hopefully there's some relief in sight and, uh, and that people, um, should be prepared for it. I'm, you know, there, I can do other segments, uh, in the future as to like, um, what to watch out for, um, you know, when, when purchasing a, a foreclosed property, um, uh, but uh, at this point, I don't think it's it's necessary to have that discussion yet. Um, you know, we're not seeing you know the the the, uh, the influx just yet. But but I think uh, 
it, it'll eventually um, circle itself up to here and uh, and we'll see a little bit more. Um, you know, and I, honestly, I think it's a good thing. Ted Tapuzas with Tapuzas and Associates Real Estate Attorney. Ted can be reached at 855-451-0841 for any and all real estate questions or concerns. Ted, I want to thank you so much for being here and joining us today. And we really look forward to uh, future conversations with you about the market. That's great. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Okay. You too. Thanks so much again to Ted Tapuzas of Tapuzas and Associates. He's a real estate attorney. You can reach Ted at 855 855- Four five one zero eight four one. Next, we're going to be talking to Bob Pennypacker from Sotheby's International. He's a luxury real estate agent. You're listening to the Despirito Team Radio Show. I am Andrew Hogan, filling in for Emilio Despirito today of the Despirito Team. You can reach me at 401-588-2002. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Radio Show. I am Andrew Hogan from the Despirito Team, filling in for Emilio Despirito today. And next, we're going to be talking to Bob Pennypacker from Sotheby's International. He's a luxury real estate agent in California. Bob, how are you? Uh, doing great. So happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. We're, we're thrilled to talk to you today. Um, so you and Emilio know each other through an association called Realm. Why don't you talk a little bit about exactly what Realm is and how you're able to leverage that? Yeah, Realm is a collection of the uh, top luxury realtors throughout the um, throughout the country and the world, actually. It's growing globally at this point. There are only... Um, 575 members, but we continue to grow. And it's by invitation only. And uh, for me, it was just extremely humbling to even be invited to join because, you know, you're when you have the respect of your peers, that's probably the most important thing in one's career. And um, it's... It's about referrals to a certain extent, but it's also about each one of us helping each other to be better at what we do. And it's been a game changer for me. So now how how do you feel like Realm has been able to help you sort of leverage that into your listings, into speaking with clients, into gaining referrals from other clients? Okay, first of all, uh, I noticed it changed the way I listened to my clients. You know, when you're embedded in your own market and the client is talking about uh, potentially relocating, I'm in a position where I can help. And that, that's priceless. But also, uh, Realm has developed a technology that is was put together by the same people as Match.com. So that when you, we, we input all of our listings and attach lifestyle tags to them. Meanwhile, um, it's done confidentially in terms of your clients, but you um, upload a client list and uh, with their lifestyle interests and the technology matches the property with all our members' uh, clients. 
So it's, unless you actually see it, it's a little hard to explain, but it's awesome technology that um, I use it. I present the scenario when I go to a uh, listing appointment and uh, bingo, it hasn't, it hasn't failed. Absolutely. And I bet the the pros and the biggest pro of that is that it's able to pull clients from your other feeder markets that are able to right. get those eyes right on your listing. Exactly. And even, and even for your buyers themselves, you know, like this concept of what Match developed, where it's it's literally you put in your interest, you put in what it is that you're looking for, and it's going to give you this entire list of potential candidates for where you can relocate to. So yeah. you know, it's, it's so innovative and that sound it's really fascinating the way that technology, we're able to use te technology and leverage that into kind of helping and ultimately provide value is what it sounds like is what, you know. Yeah. And, you know, we also have access to WealthX, which, you know, it's uh, um, the world's 5 million richest people. And we have the opportunity to put our listings in front of them as well. And so now how long have you been a part of Realm? Since uh, October of 2020. October of 2020. And now, how, when was Realm formed and who formed it, if you know? Yeah, uh, Julie Popple and um, Brennan Buckley. They're the founders. Uh, it started just about the time we went into lockdown for the pandemic. And, uh, you know, the timing was actually fortuitous because, you know, the technology that was in place uh, was perfect for us being in a pandemic environment, you know, with all the virtual connections right. suddenly. So you needed to kind of find a way, especially with the way that people were able to work from home, home, our homes right. became more than just home, they became a bit, they became our office. So for people that maybe wanted to relocate to different areas that didn't necessarily have to live where their hub of their job, right. they're right. able to locate. So for you, for them to be able to develop this program where, you know, these top, these top agents, these top advisors are able to showcase this to their clients and, and provide an outlet for them to, you know, to relocate, even without having to necessarily be there. You guys, it's a great program that you guys are doing. Um, so, and, I, yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing is it takes a particular mindset to be part of realm or to thrive in realm. And, you know, you have to, you know, it's a whole attitude of abundance and willingness to share. And I got to say, this is the, nicest, kindest group of people I've ever been part of. That's incredible. I mean, that's, I feel that gets lost so often in our industry. We're, we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. We're all trying to reach the same end game, you know? So to, to, for on one side of the transaction to make things more difficult, it's never made any sense to me because ultimately what, yeah. are, we, what are we trying to do here, right? We're trying, we're trying to serve our clients the best way we can while also trying to complete this transaction. Everybody has a goal here. Yeah, and you know, when, when, is possible. Right, right. It can happen that way where things can be advantageous for both sides of the transaction. Right, right. So now shifting focus a little bit from realm to the market that you're in, which part of California do you find yourself servicing the most? Uh, I'm in, um, I, I'm based in Healdsburg, California, which is kind of the Northern uh, part of Sonoma County. 
We're about an hour and 15 minutes from the Golden Gate Bridge. Okay. We're a huge, well, I shouldn't say huge. It's maybe 20% of our stock is secondary homes. But during the pandemic, like all other, I, I wouldn't call us particularly rural, but you know, we're, we're only a town of 11,000 uh, and relatively close to San Francisco. So we saw, you know, huge, huge surge in buyers trying to get out of the city. And yeah, so I serve the northern part of Sonoma County. Um, I'll go over into the Sonoma Valley and um, occasionally Napa and the southern part of Mendocino County. So now for those just joining us, we're, we're joined currently by Bob Pennypacker of Sotheby's International in California. And Bob, what are what are you seeing as far as trends are concerned in your area? I know you said you have people shifting focus from the cities to the more rural areas, but what's the competition like out there? Um, in terms of what, in terms of is, competition? Is so, so still extreme seller's market? Are we seeing it? No, in- no, it's, it's ever since last, May, it's there's been a shift. You know, you have the kind of the global uncertainty with the war, the interest rates um, that slowed things down during the fall. But it seems that people got used to the interest rates and just said, you know, we can deal with this and refinance later. But a lot of a lot of my buyers are cash, right? That isn't a huge issue. But what and the other thing is, I have a fair amount of uh, country properties. And the weather um, this last winter just slowed everything down as far as that was concerned because, you know, when you're selling a place with 20 or 30 acres, trying to look at it in the rain just kind of doesn't work. Right. doesn't get it done. Right. Right. So now what are some of some of the pros and some of the highlights of the area where you find yourself selling most frequently? So uh, Healdsburg itself, was a tourist destination before it was even incorporated as a city, which was back in, yeah, the first buildings were built between 1851 and 1857. It's not like you guys back east, but right. we, we, we look at that as pretty old. Um, what it was, uh, a lot of disillusioned gold prospectors came here and eventually discovered that the gold was in the real estate, not in the, the veins. Of the, yeah. And um, the geysers uh, was a big attraction. And the first few buildings built in Hillsburg were hotels. And now, uh, let's say right after Prohibition, um, the first wine tourism began and the Italian Swiss colony opened up a kind of a tourist venue just north of Hillsburg. And at one point, I think in the fifties, it was had a as high an attendance as Disneyland. But um, so anyway, tourism's a big deal here. And it, again, at town, town of 11,000, uh, we have 1,400 hotel rooms. 
How is the short-term rental market there? Is that something that's encouraged or is that something to kind of protect the integrity of your product that they, they try and, you know, dissuade people from doing? They, that's, it depends on whom you talk to. <laughs> yeah. In, in city limits, uh, short-term rental is only allowed in commercial zones. I think part of that is some pushback from the hotels. But in the unincorporated area, um, you know, after the, you know, we had the fires in 2017 and which destroyed a lot of housing stock and the county clamped down on uh, short-term rentals right away that for, for months they weren't allowing any new applications. And of course, when you'd sell a short-term rental, um, the, license didn't transfer so the new owner has to go through the process but now here five five years later they're finally loosened um the application process but yeah there is a, a there is a big short-term rental potential here Folks, for just joining us, this is Andrew Hogan filling in for Emilio Despirito on the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. We want to thank Bob for joining us today. Bob, we could we could continue to go into depth even further talking about your market. We'd love to have you back on the show someday real soon, but I do really want to thank you for taking some time to be here today to talk to us a little bit about what you have going on. And uh, we, we definitely appreciate everything that you've been doing. All righty. It's really been a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks so much to Bob Pennypacker of Sotheby's International for being here with us today. Next, we're going to hear from Jen Jeeber of RI Blogger. She's going to fill us in on the end of June, top events to look forward to in Rhode Island. This is Andrew Hogan filling in for Emilio Despirito today. You can reach me at 401-588-2002. This is the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. I am Andrew Hogan, filling in for Emilio Despirito today. You can reach me at 401-588-2002 with any and all questions real estate. Uh, we are joined now by Jen Jeeber of RI Blogger. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. A lot of fun things going on in Rhode Island right now. Yeah, it's awesome. It's outdoor weather. Um, so Wednesday nights starting June 21st until August 30th from 5 to 8 p.m. Um, is the Newport Vineyard Music Series. You can enjoy wine or beer tasting flights, or you can obviously purchase by the glass. Um, you can purchase bites or dinner while you enjoy the tunes. Um, you're welcome to reserve a table, or you can bring a chair or blanket and order at the bar and then hang out by the grapevines and music's outside weather pending um, near the covered terrace and the covered porch. So then, you know, so you have quite a, quite a few Wednesdays to make that um, a, a trip. It sounds like a great date night in my opinion. Right. The Bristol 4th of July summer concert series starts June 20th and it goes until July 3rd at 6.30 p.m. Um, it's at Independence Park in Bristol and it's a free concert series. It runs for 12 consecutive days. Um, starting June 20th with the 88th Army Band, followed by top-of-the-line bands for the next 11 days. Um, concerts start somewhere between 6.30 and 7. It's a great free family fun way to kick back up, 
to kick back and enjoy summer in Rhode Island. Obviously bring blankets and chairs and that sort of thing and just get comfortable. Um, June 24th and June 25th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. is the 40th annual Narragansett Arts Festival. Um, it's at the gazebo in Narragansett as well as the field behind the post office. You can't really miss it when you head that way. You'll see it. Um, it's a fine art festival sponsored by the Rotary Club of Wakefield. It includes oil and acrylics, watercolor, pastel drawings, photographs, sculptures, and other three-dimensional media. Uh, it's a great way to support our local artists. And, of course, you can often find something for yourself or someone else. So definitely check that out. It's always a great time. Um, Zubilee Feast with the Beast is Saturday, June 24th from 6 to 11 p.m. Um, this event is celebrating its 31st year at the Roger William Park Zoo, and it's their largest single night fundraiser featuring fine food and drink from the area's best restaurants and beverage providers. Um, there'll be live music from Mystique, dancing, exclusive access to Dinosaurs Among Us. The VIP admission starts at 6 with general admission at 7. Um, it's also adults only, so it's a 21-plus event. And all food samples are included with your ticket purchase, and there's cash bar available. So that's a great, really fun night out. Um, and last but not least, the South Kingstown Food Truck Night will take place at Sons of Liberty um, with PVD food truck events from 5 to 8 p.m. Enjoy the newly updated Sons of Liberty tasting room with a greater selection of delicious beverages. Um, you can pair your food with a tasty cocktail, a Lani Sangria, or a Chair Chew light beer. Um, there'll be live music and also outside activities, and definitely worth checking out their um, renovated tasting room, too. So um, that's another one you don't want to miss. Awesome. Well, guys, you can find Jen at riblogger.com. Jen, anything else to add before we before we say goodbye for the day? No, I'd say just check out the events calendar. There's tons of outdoor concerts and food truck events, all those just, you know, family-friendly, get outside and, and um, enjoy Rhode Island events. Awesome. We want to thank Jen for being here, as always, keeping us informed as far as what's going on in Rhode Island, helping us make the most of this beautiful state that we live in and, and really try and enjoy it with our family and friends. Jen, thank you so much for joining us today on the Dispirito Team Real Estate Show. Again, I am Andrew Hogan, and you can find Jen at riblogger.com. Jen, have a great day. Thank you. You too. This is the Dispirito Team Real Estate Radio Show. I am Andrew Hogan, and I want to thank our guests for being here today. Paul Salcone, from North Point Bank, Ted Tapuzas from Tapuzas and Associates Real Estate Law, Bob Pennypacker from Sotheby's International Luxury Real Estate, and Jen Jeber from riblogger.com. Again, this has been Andrew Hogan filling in for Emilio Despirito today on the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. You can reach me at 401-588-2002 with any and all real estate questions. Thank you very much, folks. Have a great day.